الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هل يستوي الذين يعلمون والذين لا يعلمون انما يتذكر اولو الالباب صدق الله العظيم most respected mothers and sisters and students of deen you have gathered for a little jalsa and an awards giving day and the purpose of this is to encourage the students to motivate them further and to also acknowledge the hard work and the effort that was put in so alhamdulillah those who have excelled in something they would be receiving awards prizes and this effort that has been placed has been achieved whatever good work has been done this is a three way process so everybody is deserving of the congratulations the pupils the students they obviously are the ones who have produced the results but their results cannot happen without the effort of the muallimas and those who have been assisting in that process so they are also deserving of the congratulations but together with that the parents and more often than not it is the mothers that play a very very vital role and a very active role in their children's education their deeni education also it has become commonly known in many of the state schools and even other private schools many places not all that together with the child getting educated very often the mothers also get educated because they have to do the bulk of the homework this is not necessarily the case everywhere and it's more like a perhaps joke that people make of it and something on the light hearted side they say but many a times they say that the mothers get educated in the process also because they have to do a good num- good amount of the homework and many a times when the child has some project to do and the child comes home with a mark for the project somebody gets a distinction somebody gets some other good mark so many a times that mark that the child got they should actually say to the child the teacher should say to the child that tell your ummi that this is what she, she has received that she got an a or she got a b that this is often the work of the mothers so in any case that is something else that's just on the side the point is that without the effort of the children themselves and very importantly the effort of the muallimas the teachers and together with that a good amount of effort of the parents this result cannot be achieved so all are deserving of the congratulations and all are deserving of 
the du'as that may Allah wa ta'ala accept the efforts that we made, may Allah ta'ala put barakat in it and make it a means of great good. At the madrasa, the focus and the effort is primarily on inculcating values and making the tarbiyat of the children. The talim is in its place. The effort is put into the talim. There is much hard work done in this regard. There is a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. One is what is done in class, what is done directly with the students. But in order for that to happen, there is a lot that happens behind the scenes. And a great deal happens behind the scenes, which is generally not known to parents directly. The children and the students hardly ever know about these kind of things. But a lot goes into it. And then there is a lot of contribution of the public into this whole process. Financially, in other ways, by means of their assistance. So a lot goes into all this. So this is something that, alhamdulillah, the maximum effort is made in that direction. So there isn't anything that is uh, cut short in that regard. There isn't any corners that are cut as we say. Alhamdulillah, that effort is made. But the ta'aleem is not the primary objective. In other words, the primary objective is not just passing on the information and passing on the knowledge. That is not the primary objective. Alhamdulillah, you have chosen to send your children to a dini madrasa. Though the life skill subjects, life skill subjects meaning a little bit of English, some little bit of maths, some little bit of other things of this nature are also taught to them in order for them to fulfill their needs and necessities of life. But the life skill subjects that are there and the other things that are taught to them, even the dini knowledge that is passed on to them, that is not the object in itself. That somebody can pass the examination, write a beautiful essay on some aspect of Sirat, for example, or write the tafsir of some ayat very well, or gives the explanation of some hadith in a perfect manner. All these things will happen, but this is not the primary objective. The primary objective is what? The primary objective is, how can this knowledge, the knowledge of deen, be translated into action? How can we live that knowledge of deen? That is the primary objective. So merely having the information is not sufficient. But translating that information into action, translating that knowledge into amal, translating those values into the akhlaq that is lived, that is the object. And this also requires the three-dimensional effort. All have to make the effort. The children have to make the effort. The muallimas have to make the effort. And very importantly, the parents have to make their effort. The muallimas, alhamdulillah, they put their best into it. And the children are made to also, repeatedly are told and are made to understand what is the need of bringing this knowledge into action. But the thing to keep in mind is, 
that the child spends a minimal time in the madrasa. Out of the 24 hours of the child's day, there is about 6-7 hours spent in the madrasa, and then the rest is not in the madrasa. Then that too is 5 days a week. So Saturday, Sunday, the child is totally not in the madrasa. And then there is a good number of holidays in the year. Almost, almost perhaps two and a half months go away in holidays. So out of the 12 months in the year, two and a half months have gone in holidays. Then every week two days are gone. And then every day, three quarters of the day, the child is not in madrasa. So when all these things are put together, the minimal time is in madrasa, the maximum time is in the care of the parents. This is what it's supposed to be the case, the care of the parents. Unfortunately, not necessarily those who are based here, but on a general note, unfortunately, in many instances, the children are in the care of commercial upbringing. In the care of commercial upbringing. Now what is commercial upbringing? Commercial upbringing, there's a very, very uh, unpleasant example that can be used to explain this. I don't like giving this example, but it is an example that can make us think what is the reality. And I am quite confident that, alhamdulillah, those who are present here, they don't have this issue, but this is becoming a common trend. And therefore, we need to be conscious of this that many children are put into commercial upbringing, the example of that is what I understand it to be. There are many places, many places where people rear their own chicken for consumption. And I have seen many of these places, people in their backyards, whatever, so they rear their own chicken. And I have observed on some occasions how even those chicken are cared for because he's going to eat it himself. People are going to use it for their own consumption. So it's fed regularly, it's fed on time, it's given its space to move around and the arrangements are made to protect it. One place they made a quite elaborate arrangements to protect it from wild birds, eagles and whatever come and pounce on the chicken, the little chicken that have just recently been hatched and they devour it, so quite elaborate arrangements were made for these chicken to be protected. And they don't sell one out of it, this is for home consumption. They feed it what is wholesome, and they take a lot of care of it. In the way that chicken are taken care of, obviously. And if anything sometimes goes, one chicken gets hurt or something, somebody knocked over it, whatever, and it's quite a, quite a thing that household is a bit perturbed and disturbed with it. So this is why, because this is homegrown chicken. And it is for personal use. So when something is for personal use and homegrown for personal consumption, then even the chicken are cared for in this manner. But if it is commercial, it's just there for selling. So number one, it is kept in often inhumane conditions. And it is treated just anyhow. If it dies, it's no big deal. And if it gets hurt, then that doesn't bother anybody. Because it is not, it's commercial, it's for somebody else. And it's just whatever fed, whatever it's fed, they feed sometimes uh, commercially produced uh, uh, cattle. One person, they say they feed it chicken litter. 
that's mixed into its feed because it's meant for commercial production. So there's nothing they bother. Yes, it must get fat as quickly as possible and it will move out to the slaughterhouse. So when something is for commercial production, then this is the care. In other words, on the top, everything must be looking nice. But what the reality is, is far from that. And for cons- personal consumption, there's a lot of care. Now that is a difference when there is personal, uh, when there is personal upbringing, upbringing of one's own children. Then there is that direct love, because it's my children. So there is that natural love and bond between parent and child. There will be sometimes some pampering, there will be sometimes some reprimanding. There will be uh, a lot of concern that this child must grow up to become an asset to himself or herself, an asset to her family, an asset to society in general, meaning by the way that she will contribute in terms of deen. So this will be the care and the concern. And if it is commercial upbringing, now what is this commercial upbringing? Many a person leaves their children in the care of people running crashes, people running daycare centers, and the two-year-old child, the three-year-old child is left in these places to be brought up. Eight hours, ten hours a day, the child is left in commercial upbringing. So commercial upbringing is like commercial chicken production. There is no love. There is only the love for the money that will come through it. Illa mashallah, there would be some exceptions. But on a general note, there cannot be the natural love. There would be some, some people would take the responsibility seriously that I have somebody else's children in my care, so I need to fulfill my responsibility. But this is not the norm. In many cases, this research has been done elsewhere that is commercial. So unfortunately, when those commercialized, when those children grow up who have received commercialized upbringing, they grow up to become commercialized children. Their only values in life are what pertains to commercial values. And what will enhance my commercial worth? And there is a degree of selfishness in them. And it's me, myself and I. So this is the thing that we have to now be conscious about. That commercial upbringing, those who are unfortunately throwing their children into this kind of situation, this is a very, very great disservice that we are doing to our children. And this is something that does not fulfill the responsibility of a parent. So Alhamdulillah, those parents who have chosen to be personally responsible for their children. And now when the child is of an age where the child needs to be educated, so they have made a responsible decision and put the child in a dini madrasa. Because they don't want their child to grow up in a way where the child only has commercial in his mind. They want the child to have deen in his mind or her mind. So they have chosen a dini madrasa. But as we started off by saying that the focus, primary focus, is the tarbiyat of the child. And the child spends more than two-thirds of the time, almost three-quarters of the time, in the parents' care. So the parents have that primary responsibility to ensure that what is being taught in the madrasa, 
those values that are being taught, and alhamdulillah, the parents are also teaching it. The madrasa is reinforcing it. The madrasa is highlighting it. The madrasa is emphasizing it. And the madrasa is trying to drill these values in the children. The parents are now responsible to make sure that this is translated into action. Just to take some examples, and these are things that we have discussed on these kind of occasions previously, but this is the core issue. This is what we need to hold on to firmly. And this is why this repetition is very vital, that we have to keep reminding ourselves of what is our primary duty. For example, one of the primary issues of a mu'min, every believer, whether it's a child or an adult, whether it is a male or female, every person, the primary purpose of life itself is to develop our ta'alluq with Allah wa ta'ala, to strengthen our bond with Allah wa ta'ala. This is the primary issue. And to the extent that we will focus on this, to that extent, we will get the benefits of dunya and akhirat. Now, what is going to build this bond with Allah Ta'ala? For example, the most fundamental thing is Salah. This is the first thing that a person will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. Now, Salah is something emphasized on the child. But that emphasis, the Mu'allimas can only oversee in the Madrasa time. After Madrasa time, they can still only encourage in Madrasa that look, you're going home or the weekend is coming, or the holidays are coming, you have to be punctual on your salah. They will be able to give some virtues, they will be able to encourage, they will be able to give some of the consequences, negative consequences of missing salah, the harms of it in dunya, and the severe harms of it in the hereafter, but they cannot be in the homes of the children to oversee this. Obviously, this is the duty of the parents. Now, to what extent is the parent overseeing this that my daughter must perform her salah and not at the last moment in an up and down, kiss the ground kind of manner, but giving it its importance that as soon as time has come in, then is my daughter performing her salah immediately? And am I giving the practical example in this regard? So now this knowledge is being translated into action. And now this taluk with Allah Ta'ala is being strengthened because namaz is being given its importance. It's not like a sideline thing. Our primary uh, objective is to build our bond with Allah Ta'ala. If namaz is not in place, namaz is not on time, or namaz is not happening with care, or not being given prior importance, it is now something to just squeeze in somewhere and somehow and to just perform it in some haphazard manner and get done with, then that knowledge which is being imparted in the madrasa is not being translated into action and that primary concern that we should be building the bond of our children, the bond with Allah Ta'ala, building their bond with Allah Ta'ala, that is not going to happen. Then they will come to madrasa and say something and they'll do something else at home because there is no emphasis or no supervision of this particular aspect at home, that this must happen with prior importance. It mustn't just happen, but it must happen in a manner that the child understands that this cannot be compromised, that the time of this cannot be compromised. And this is my way of building my taluk with Allah Ta'ala. Then 
a very simple thing, the daily masnoon du'as. Now these du'as are taught to the children in the madrasa. These du'as are not for the sake of just that they learn some du'a and then they are tested in the examination and what mark they get, that is the end of it all. No, these du'as are meant to be implemented in our day-to-day life so that by means of these du'as we strengthen our link with Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. This is the purpose. And these du'as are very effective in that regard. And especially a person who takes the effort, one du'a a week, and as mothers, as others, who may have or have not had the opportunity of learning these du'as in madrasa, maybe we learnt it and forgot it, there are beautiful kitabs available with the translations, we take one du'a a week, one du'a every two weeks, and we learn the du'a, learn it with the translation, and start implementing it, and be conscious of what we are reciting, and then see how this builds our ta'aluk with Allah Ta'ala. So now the children are taught these du'as so that they will translate into actions, action and develop their contact with Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. If this does not happen, that they are learning the du'a in the madrasa, but they are not translating into action at home, then the benefit and the objective will be lost. They'll learn it for the exams, they'll pass in the exam, somebody might get 100%, somebody 95%, somebody 90%, the Mu'allima will put a comment next to that, MashaAllah, excellent. But if it's not in action, then it is not excellent at all. It is very, very poor. It is not MashaAllah at all. Then it is, بس لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله That the effort was put, so much of time was put into it, so much of contribution of the public was into it, so that this could become part of the child's life. But that end result wasn't achieved, then it is my weakness and my wrongdoing and what else can we say that the objective was not achieved so in any case the parents have to also be vigilant in this regard they have to be conscious of this that they have the most important role in this whole process it's a three way process but the most important role is that of the parent by virtue of the child being the bulk of the time in the parent's care and the parents have to supervise that this, what is being learnt in madrasa, this is being implemented in the life of the child. The importance of salah is being taught in the madrasa, is emphasized, but there's only one salah which comes in the time of the child in the madrasa day. In the madrasa day, it's only zuhar salah that they are in madrasa. Fajr they are at home, and asar, and asar onwards they are at home. It's only zuhar that they are in madrasa. So now, Four namazes at home. One is in the madrasa. The madrasa can only supervise that one. But if the other four are something which there isn't the emphasis on, and it is not emphasized to the point that it must be given prior importance, first preference, immediate responsibility, everything else can happen later. This happens first. Then this importance is not going to settle in the, in the life of the child. Likewise, the masnoon du'as, before eating, have we reminded our children? Did you recite the du'a? After eating, did we remind our children? Before the child sleeps, did we remind the child, Tasbih Fatimi? Subhanallah, what a great benefit of this. Nabi Islam gave this gift to his daughter. So, we want to stand alongside Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha on the day of Qiyamah. We should be also taking this gift. 
So reminding our children, did you recite your tasbih fatimi? Did you recite your dua before sleeping? You woke up in the morning, did you wake up? Did you recite your dua? Did you recite the other duas, masnoon duas of day-to-day things, the morning duas, the evening duas? Now this is something that the parents only can supervise. The muallimas can only ask about it. But the parents can implement it on the spot. Now this is the real work. And this is what will be the true asset. These are investments. That little time, that little effort to keep asking our children, keep encouraging them, keep checking on them. What are you doing? Are you doing the right things? Are you performing your salah now? It's time up. Did you perform your salah? Did you read your du'as? This is an investment. And these investments, this time, this effort, this checking, this emphasizing, this supervising, the talim that we will conduct in the home to further encourage this, to entrench it, these are all investments. Everybody is very, very thirsty for investments nowadays. Let alone men, even every woman wants an investment. But the real investment is the investment in our children that will bring values in them. The investments of the akhirat, these are the real investments. And we will benefit from this investment even while we are alive, where we will get the good treatment for our children. We will not be getting the back chatting. We will not be getting the ignoring treatment and the harsh treatment that children give parents unfortunately nowadays. We will be getting that rahat and that peace and comfort from them in this dunya. And the greatest benefit we'll get is when our eyes close and because they have been groomed in a way that deen has been the priority in their lives, then they will remember to recite and make isale sabab for their parents after they have left this dunya. That will be our greatest benefit from our children. That they will remember us to make dua for us, to make isale sabab for us after we have left this dunya. But that will depend on making this investment now. So together with this, the investment of making the effort to inculcate these things in their lives, similarly we have to make the investment to entrench the values of the sunnah in their lives. And the sunnah is opposite to the culture of the West. The Western culture is a totally alien culture to deen, to the sunnah culture. It is based on the things that are totally opposite to deen. In sunnah, in the life of Rasulullah wasallam, there are numerous things, but two very salient things, very salient aspects. One is haya, modesty and shame, and the other is simplicity. And the uh, foundation of Western culture is on behayai, on immorality, on shamelessness and extravagance. Now, are we implementing these values in the lives of our children? That there must be haya. In deen, in Islam, in the sunnah culture, a woman in particular, there is covering. And in Western culture, it is maximum uncovering. Now, how much are we edging towards that? Are we seeing our daughters edging in that direction? The garments of the West is all uncovering. Even when it is covered, it is uncovered. The tight body hugging garments, the jeans and t-shirt culture. Now, this is totally alien to Sunnah. In Sunnah, there is covering, covering of the body, covering of the shape of the body. 
Now, how far away has the ummah gone from the sunnah culture? Now, this is what is emphasized in the madrasa. The parents have to translate this into action at home. That what kind of dressing are our daughters adopting? Is it the dressing that covers or uncovers? Though the garment is there, but it's uncovering the shape. It's getting tighter by the day. Even the cloaks are getting tighter by the day. So the cloak, which was meant to be a cover, the cloak has also become a form of uncover in many cases. So this is the alien culture of the West, uncover. And the, co- the culture of the Sunnah is cover. The culture of the West, this is the culture of extravagance. There's no time to go into the details, but everything to the highest level of extravagance. Weddings or any other thing of the, everything extravagance. And deen, the culture of sunnah, simplicity. In the culture of the West, wastage. People regarded as against etiquette. Can we imagine? La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. Against etiquette, that if a person has been offered something to drink, for example, that he must not drink it all, must waste some. At the end, there must be some little bit wasted. If that is not wasted, then the person is regarded as not cultured because he drank everything up. So he's not cultured. He must waste something to be regarded as cultured. If that is what is called culture, then that is the worst kind of culture that you can think of that a person has to be, has to waste to be regarded as cultured. And in the Sunnah, Nabi Islam is to lick the utensil clean because every drop, every grain is the ni'mat of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Nothing must get wasted. Wasting anything is to show disrespect to the ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. Now how far apart these two cultures are? But because of the way that we get impressed with the West and all the things of the West that we keep looking at, the media and so on, then this Western culture starts rubbing off. And we also get involved in behayai, in immorality, immorality in dressing, immorality in conduct, and extravagance, and wastage, and all the other things. Now just as salah is emphasized on the children in the madrasa, the du'as are emphasized, likewise these values are emphasized. The values of haya, the values of simplicity, the values of not wasting. Now these are things that need to be emphasized in the home. Alhamdulillah, it's happening. No doubt it's happening. But we have to keep emphasizing it. And we have to keep making sure that these values of haya, the dressing, haya in dressing, haya in conduct, haya in speech, and what kind of devices our children are using, which are unfortunately sometimes destroying that haya, to be very vigilant over this, the cell phone, what they are using that phone for? To start off with, do they even need to have a phone? Should they ever be given a phone? But this is becoming the present of choice. And for anything and everything that we want to reward our child, a cell phone, the most expensive cell phone, and the most advanced cell phone, so that all the evils can be available to the child on the press of a button. On the press of the button, whatever kind of filth and immorality a person wants to download and wants to view, all available to the child now at the press of a button. And we are all very, very uh, 
comfortable that it can only happen to other people's children, not to my child. My child is the best angel ever. You have never seen an angel like my child. And my child is immune to all these things. That is every per- parent's illa, mashallah, every per- parent's thought about his child. May Allah Ta'ala make our children like that. Make Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala make every parent's children, every child, Allah Ta'ala make him like a complete, make him completely muttaqi, him or her, completely filled with taqwa. But at the same time, we should not live in this fool's paradise that our children are immune, nobody is immune. We are not immune and nobody is immune. We have to make every effort to inculcate the right values and every effort to save our children from the wrong influences. And unfortunately, the cell phone has become one of the biggest evil influences. As a result of what not happens, all the chatting that takes place, and all the de-Facebook, and they're making twits of our children with Twitter. You'll pardon that expression, but the first time I heard Twitter, I tried to figure out what is this all about. Because this word has been something that is linked to this wrong thing that I, wrong connotation. TWIT, the first time I heard about it, was something almost uh, crude. But this is now what they have done. So, these are things that are destroying the moral fiber of society. It is destroying the haya and the akhlaq and all the values within us. These are things that we have to become now very conscious. And we have to make sure that our children are protected from these things. We are all to make this effort jointly. It is everybody's joint effort. Inshallah, Allah Taala will open their hearts and translate this knowledge into action, this knowledge into amal. That is the object and that is the purpose. So Alhamdulillah, those who have excelled, those who have worked hard, their efforts will be acknowledged and we should acknowledge it. We should motivate it. But that is still half the job. or In fact, less than half the job done. The real part of the work is to translate this knowledge into action. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. May Allah ta'ala make our children the coolness of our eyes. Make them the comfort of our eyes in dunya and akhirat. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukur kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين